Welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Hello and welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now, today we're discussing personal liability for sales tax, and we'll be providing pointers and insights for the manufacturing, wholesale, and retail industries. And here to share their insights with you today are our two tax experts. First, we have Stephen Scarborough. He's a senior manager for indirect tax at Weaver. Stephen, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Happy to have you on the show. And we also have Shane Stewart. He's a partner in charge for state and local tax services at Weaver. Shane, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me as well. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to have both of you on the show today uh, to provide your insights and to provide your expertise, uh, because I know that you guys are very, very knowledgeable in this particular area. So let's start off here. For our listeners, tell us about your background, specifically your expertise in state and local taxation. Uh, Stephen, why don't you start us off? Okay, great. Yeah, Tyler, I, uh, I lead Weaver's indirect tax compliance practice. Um, I've got over 15 years of multi-state indirect tax experience, and that's in sales use, excise, and also in motor fuel excise taxes. Prior to coming to Weaver, I worked in industry most of my career. Uh, I worked in the leasing industry as well as in the oil and gas and fuel distribution industries as well. Fantastic, fantastic. Shane, uh, follow us, follow up with that, and uh, and tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure. Well, uh, like Steve, I have a little over fifteen years of multi-state tax experience. Focus almost primarily, it's, it's been in the consulting space. My expertise, you know, although I'm the partner in charge of our uh, state and local tax practice, which covers income franchise taxes, property tax, uh, indirect tax, which is the sales and use tax, excise taxes that that Stephen just mentioned severance taxes. Uh, my expertise and background really really lies in the indirect tax space, the sales tax space, uh, where I've historically focused on recovering uh, overpaid sales and use taxes for, for my clients, spending uh, their interest in uh, state tax audits uh, to minimize their liabilities, nexus evaluations, which I think will be a subject we'll be talking about today, uh, taxability guidance, and, and also multi-state compliance outsourcing services. So this is really my, my expertise area. Excellent. Excellent. Well, guys, it's been several years since the landmark decision in South Dakota v. Wayfair, which required out-of-state sellers to register and collect a sales tax in a state, even if they lacked a physical presence in that location, right? So the idea of economic nexus has certainly evolved since 2018. Uh, can you share some of the latest developments? So what's going on there uh, nowadays? Yeah, 2018 is uh, quickly uh, becoming the past. So it's, I guess it's been about two and a half years since the uh, Wayfair decision. Um, since then, a lot has gone on. You know, just to recap, now 44 states have passed or upheld existing remote seller nexus legislation. A lot of the ones that, uh, that came on board after the decision did follow the threshold standards that South Dakota established of $100,000 and 200 transactions. But many states have different uh, levels there. There are two outliers that we're, we're all kind of waiting for uh, to get their legislation passed, and that is Missouri and Florida. You know, Florida actually has a bill called House Bill 51 right now that is determining to define a retail sale 
uh, as inclusive of sales made over the internet or remote sales. Florida could come this year as well, uh, as Missouri also has a bill, House Bill 2, where they're setting their threshold at 100,000. And if that gets passed this year, they will uh, have that be effective starting at the beginning of next year. Uh, so those are a couple of states that we're watching. Other than that, I think the main thing to know, uh, for especially for our audience here, is that the grace periods have passed. You know, most of the states did not come out right away and say, okay, Wayfair passed in June of 18, we're gonna go ahead and turn on the tax. Most of them pushed it out to 2019, some to 2020, uh, but as of today, all of those have passed and um, you know, the clock is basically ticking. If, you ha- if you're in a situation where you need to be reporting, uh, the state is expecting you to do so at this point. Yeah, yeah, just to add to that, Stephen, latest developments is really, what I'm seeing, what we're seeing is, is the states are, are enforcing the, these new laws that they put in place um, every seems like every week or every other getting client or a new client uh, coming to us uh, asking for help on how to get into compliance because they never took care of it uh, back when you know Wayfair uh, and all the different legislation started so yeah I would say this is the time that the states are enforcing and, and audits are are uh, kicking off all over. Right, right, absolutely. So the the, the follow up question here was was planning on being: Are sales tax collections uh, required in all states? And uh, Stephen, I, it feels like this is something you touched on just a little bit. But uh, but are sales tax collections required in all states? Well, just to give you a baseline, there are four states that do not have a sales tax, and those are Montana, New Hampshire, Delaware, and Oregon. Uh, and then a fifth is Alaska that has no state level tax, although they do have. Um, local tax, and 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 they do have remote selling uh, nexus as well in Alaska. At this point, it's not all states. So of course, we have Missouri and Florida uh, that are still outliers. But in general, under normal sales tax, you know, situations, if you're in your own state, you know, sales taxes are, are a major part of, of the 46 uh, states, uh, other than the four that I mentioned. And as I mentioned, the thresholds before, that's really going to be the determination whether or not you are required to collect and report tax. Did you meet the state's nexus threshold for economic nexus of let's say $100,000 and 200 transactions? Texas, for example, is different. Uh, Other states have different numbers. Texas is 500,000. But regardless, what you would need to do is compare your activity in that state against the threshold to determine if you are required to collect and remit tax there. So Stephen, are, are there sales that are exempt from the ruling that we were talking about previously? Well, the ruling doesn't particularly define what type of sales are included or not included. Different states have determined if they want to use retail sales or if they want to use gross sales. So in some states, even if you're a wholesaler or a manufacturer, they still do want you to report if you've met the threshold. But in other states, if you're if you don't have retail sales at that level, uh, then they don't require you to report. So it's important to really look at it on a state-by-state basis, comparing your activity against what the state's threshold rules are. Okay, so you mentioned wholesalers and manufacturers. And for those that are listening, uh, for those wholesalers and manufacturers, and, and maybe this is what you touched on, and I just want to make sure that, that we understand clearly, do, do they also have to register and file with the various states, even though they don't collect taxes from their customers? In some states, yeah, and just as I mentioned, some states will require you to do it even if you are not collecting tax. But I think that one of the most important things for wholesalers and manufacturers to be aware of is that Wayfair is 
creating a situation where it was sell to a state and you know that you've been selling into that state for 10 years plus or however long and you haven't been collecting tax. Well, now that economic nexus laws are on the books, that state may have an opportunity to come at least look at, ask you questions about your activity in that state. Um, and if you're selling tax exempt, you want to make sure primarily, first and foremost, that you've got all of your exemption certificates, all of your resale certificates up to date and current um, so that if and when you were asked to prove that you have tax-free sales or non-taxable sales, that you've got the documentation uh, to support that. Um, some of the things that we like to recommend for our clients is, you know, the best time to collect an exemption certificate is right up front, right when you get a new client asking for that resale certificate, asking for that exemption certificate at that point in time is the best time to get it. You know, follow up with your customers now if you're missing any Make sure you're tracking the expiration dates of the certificates. And then, you know, if you have a large number of them, you may even want to consider leveraging a certificate management software. So uh, those are some key things, I think, for our wholesalers and manufacturers to do so they can avoid uh, having a tax assessment uh, unexpectedly. Shane, is there anything you want to follow up on from Stephen's answer there? There are about 20 states out of the 44 states that set their nexus thresholds on a gross sales basis. I think what we didn't mention a minute ago was that wholesalers and manufacturers, there's not just a few states out there that uh, you'll have a, a registration requirement. And there's about 20 of them that you'll need to look, look for to make sure that you don't, that you're reaching your nexus thresholds. And, and good point, Stephen, on the exemption certificates, but also to realize that when you're getting registered for sales tax in, in those states where, you know, even though your sales are not taxable and even though you don't need to collect tax, your reporting requirements are very minimal typically. Uh, it, it should be either an annual or quarterly filing of a, a no tax due return. But the benefits, um, you know, of getting registered in those states, you know, it might seem like an administrative hassle to do because you don't have taxable sales and you're not collecting tax. What it's going to do for you is going to afford you the right to a limited look back period in the future when those states do call you and want to uh, want you to prove that your sales are non-taxable through your exemption certificates or whatnot. And so uh, as time goes on, having that limited look back period it is uh, crucial uh, for your success in, in your audits. So the, the term responsible person is often heard when discussing sales tax requirements, right? So can can you shed some light on what the term means and who those parties are within an organization? Basically, the person or people uh, within an organization that are liable personally and they are responsible for the sales tax or whatever trust taxes is being collected from the state. Withholding tax is another example of a trust tax where the state wants to identify that responsible person. Now, when you register for a state, you always have to put who the contact is or who that responsible person is. You often have to list your officers uh, or owners of the business. And that group of folks, so owners, officers, uh, you know, if you're a member or director of an LLC, partners, uh, that is, the, that is the, the, the primary group of responsible persons uh, from the state's definition. But, uh, you know, I just want everyone to know that even if you're not in that group and you're, let's say, an employee that's responsible for reporting and filing sales taxes or a controller uh, or another, another person involved in ensuring the state gets their money, gets their tax revenue, um, that you can also be listed 
uh, in an assessment or in any kind of action from a state if they feel like they haven't gotten the proper amount of tax paid. So, so I would put it into two groups. There's the primary group, but there is also that secondary group that could be brought in as well. So what are some of the scenarios that can cause a responsible person to become personally liable for sales, use, or excise tax? Well, failing to file a tax return is a good one. Failing to collect tax, not remitting taxes that you have collected, that's that one there is actually more risky than any of them because the states look down very seriously on folks that have collected money from their constituents but have not have not remitted it. You know, if you collect money and you divert it to other purposes in your business, um, which can be tempting to do uh, sometimes for some business owners if you're tight on cash, um, but I do not recommend doing that at all. Also, if you understate your tax. So let's say your reporting is going along. Hey, we're filing our returns, but uh, we're not reporting the right amount. And so when the state comes in to do an audit or review, they determine that you actually owe a lot more tax than you sent in. If the company is not willing to care of that issue, then the responsible portions are going to be uh, the very next one in line that the state's going to read out, reach out to to collect their money. Uh, and the final one is just re- records misconduct, um, you know, falsifying the return or manipulating your the records in a way that that tries to show less tax. Those kind of things uh, can get you in a lot of trouble as well. I, I would like to add to that. You know, I think those are all great scenarios, Stephen, that can cause a responsible person to become personally liable. I also like to hit on the point that like, if you're a business owner out there or, or former CFO or you are considered, you know, as defined as a responsible person, they can come after you directly. And we have, we've had two clients recently who have received uh, notices from uh, various jurisdictions of tax due and they've got their personal uh, social security number on these assessments. And, and a lot of times they're jeopardy assessments for the business, but they're going to come after whoever they're going to get to pay the, the taxes they believe are due. And so just because the, the business owns it, don't think that you're not on the hook for it. And so it, they're, they're going to come for their money from whoever uh, they believe is responsible. Yeah, and the states, the states refer to it as jointly and separ- separately liable. So the, the business may get the same assessment that the individual is getting at the same time. Both are responsible that to ensure the monies are sent in. But I wanted to make another point on some of the reasons that our responsible persons get themselves in trouble. There's some misconceptions out there is there's an assumption that they're protected by the corporate veil. Hey, I'm just an employee of this company. It's a corporation. It's an LLC. How can they come after my personal assets? Well, in the case of trust taxes, the corporate veil does not protect you at all. And you will be held liable regardless of that. Another one would be, hey, I'm not the registered responsible person. You know, so I haven't, I didn't sign anything with the state. You know, I didn't, I didn't, my name's not on there. We've, we've talked to clients about this, about Wayfair and, you know, tell them, hey, you should probably do some things about this, get registered, but they've chosen not to relying on the fact that they think they may not be discovered. You know, that can be a very risky play, especially in light of, you know, this post-COVID situation we're in where states are going to begin auditing uh, a little more vigorously. Uh, So there are many ways that you can be discovered that you're selling into a state so that you should not rely on that as well. Um, And even if you're not responsible for the tax filings, let's say you're the chief operating officer of an organization, not the CFO, uh, you can still be dragged into it as well. Uh, just realizing that you're not protected by the corporate veil. Another piece is that you can't charge it off in bankruptcy. 
So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a situation. If you get an assessment against you personally, it's going to stick, you know, for the long term until you pay it off. So just wanted to point those out. Those are some good things for people to understand and kind of that psychology of what gets, gets uh, some of our clients in trouble historically. And uh, if you keep that in mind as you're going through this, it should keep you out of trouble. Stephen, I would like to add to that as well. Even if you don't get in trouble from a governmental agency, well, let's just say like we have a client recently who just sold their company, hadn't gotten into compliance, hadn't registered in all the states, was making online sales and uh, was not collecting sales tax. When they went to sell their business, uh, through the due diligence process from the buyer, uh, they determined that that they should have been and what what they could have taken care of when you know these laws came out had they had they been aware of of this uh, of these economic nexus in these various jurisdictions, they could have saved themselves millions of dollars uh, in the reduction of their sell price of their company and you know and, and just passed it through to their customers uh, as far as charging the sales tax. So when you don't, when you don't charge the tax to your customers, you are on the hook for it. Um, and so the easy, the easiest way to reduce your risk and, and your, the cost of any potential sales tax liabilities is to just collect the tax and remit it. It, it, it's, it might seem, you know, like a huge headache to, to administer all that, and it might seem like it costs a lot of money, you know, to get technology in place to automatically do the rate calculations and then and charge it. And then you might think it's expensive to, to hire someone uh, either internally or outsource it to a consulting company to to prepare your returns and file them to make sure they're accurate every month. But but I think a lot of our clients are finding out that it's a lot cheaper to do all that than it is to, to not do this correctly. Absolutely. It sounds like it's it's much, much better just to do it right at the very beginning and get that out of the way rather than uh, suffer some of the penalties of, of having not done it and uh, and some of the consequences. And so uh, knowing that many organizations are, are fearful of the liability associated with sales tax, do you see scenarios where businesses have overpaid their share of sales tax? And if so, what are your recommendations to remediate the situation and recoup those funds? Oh, that's a good question. So when you know, economics nexus came in play two and a half years ago. We were all we were all in the industry uh, in the service line area, predicting like how is this going to affect clients, our clients, and what do they need to know, and the opportunities and the pitfalls that were that were going to come out of this. And you know, one of the main conclusions we determined is that uh, businesses are going to be paying sales tax uh, a lot more sales taxes than they they were previously because a lot more of their Vendors or suppliers are going to be charging sales tax, whether it's they should or should not be, because what most sellers are going to do once they realize that they have a filing obligation and have to collect sales tax, the easiest thing for them is just to collect the tax from their customers unless their customers tell them uh, that not to because of it, it's exempt or, or it's for resale for some other reason. And so you've got all these new, you know, I think it's millions of, of companies now that are that are starting to collect tax where they never had to in the past. And a lot of their sales may not be taxable, but the easiest way for them to reduce their risk of this liability is just to collect the tax, you know? Um, and so, yeah, we see that 
businesses are are starting to overpay taxes because they're not questioning uh, the tax on their purchases from from their vendors as being accurate. They a lot of times our customers, our client, our clients, uh, purchasers, businesses uh, think that the sellers know what's taxable, and so they just trust that they're getting charged the right amount of tax rather than questioning that. And 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 that could lead to a lot of overpay tax, which could also lead to to a situation where you might have a significant refund opportunity in play uh, if you hadn't already evaluated this. And so what we're seeing is our uh, our sales tax recovery practice here. A lot of our clients, uh, the refund claims we're filing for our clients are, are growing in, in size and frequency. Um, and so there's a lot more benefits to receive from, from uh, recovering the taxes, but what you wanna do is not have to go recover taxes that you overpaid you want to you want to pay the right amount uh if you can pull that up front um i don't know if you have anything to add to that Stephen. uh no that was great shane you know I, I would just say you know there's some things that that um companies can do right now to protect yourself in this situation you know the first thing is really to just review your business activity and determine if you have economic nexus in the states that you're selling into you know, you want to understand the lay of the land. You know, do we have a liability? Do we have an obligation to report? Um, another thing you can do is in those states, do a review of taxability of your products. Are your products typically taxable or not? And, and have a good understanding of the, how the state handles those product situations. Um, obviously, if you determine that you do have economic nexus and you do need to report, is to go ahead and register it and don't delay. You know, go, doing it now is going to save you a lot of money versus waiting a month or two, just know that the clock is ticking uh, every day that goes by that you haven't gone ahead and registered. So those are a couple items that I would recommend for folks uh, who may have not gone through the process of this uh, determination, but um, you know, I would implore you to do it sooner rather than later. That sounds like some uh, some very sound advice. So Stephen and Shane, uh, is there a way for people to get more information on this topic if they have more questions or uh, or want to uh, maybe raise an issue with uh, on something with, with either of you? Is there a way for them to get more information or to get in touch with either of you? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, several uh, thought leadership content pieces out there on our on Weaver.com. You just go to the state and local tax page and, and we, we do have... Uh, some some guidance on this you can call steven or or myself or email us um, and you can find our contact information on the website as well steven do you have any any thoughts there you know it doesn't cost you anything to, to have an initial conversation with us to see see what's going on and if anybody has any follow-up questions to this topic feel free to reach out be happy to help Absolutely. So that website is weaver.com, weaver.com, W-E-A-V-E-R.com for more information. And of course, you can reach out to these guys to get to, to get their expertise, to have a conversation, to ask a follow-up question, any of those particular things. So Stephen and Shane, guys, thank you so much for joining me here on this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers, helping us understand a little bit more about personal liability for sales tax and, uh, and breaking this whole thing down for us. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. 
Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers. Of course, this podcast has a number of episodes. So uh, if this is your first one to listen to, make sure to go back and check out some of the previous episodes. And while you're there, you may as well hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts these days to stay up to date with thought leadership from Weaver across a number of different industries and a number of different areas. And so uh, these guys know a lot and uh, they can be a great resource for you. So make sure you subscribe and stay tuned because we'll be back soon with more episodes. But until then, I I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.